The Super Serious Sports Show with Chris Coleman and Adam Jansen. Well, Chris Coleman, I'm at the desk today because you've chosen not to attend work. You've chosen to do the show from home. So I get to talk first and I get to ask you what's caught your eye in the world of sport this week. Well, what caught my eye is that the Cincinnati Bengals go in against the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL AFC Championship game this weekend as favourites with every betting organisation in Australia. That has staggered me. I would have the Kansas City Chiefs as favourites, even though I still think the Bengals are going to win. You know that Patrick Mahomes has a bung ankle, right? Yeah, but you saw what he did with the bung ankle the other day. He's a miracle worker and may well, in a few years' time, be regarded as the greatest of all time. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, We'll talk a little bit of NFL later. I have an apology to make. I'm not sure if it's to to you or to our listeners or to an organisation. It's just, it's an apology. It's me admitting, maybe not even, I'm just going to admit that I was wrong about something. Well, you were wrong about lots of things, including Fulham the other day. Can we talk about that too? No. Well, the Australian Open for 2023 is reaching its closing stages. I watched a bit of it last night. I watched Stefano or Stefanos. Stefano? Stefanos. Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas. Yes, I watched him win in three sets in pretty competitive game, actually. In straight sets, competitive game? Okay, I'll allow it. Competitive sets. He won all okay. of the sets, but one of them went to a tiebreaker. And, yeah, the other guy whose name has now escaped me. Um, but, yeah, he, he put up a pretty good fight. Uh Mark Philippoussis up in the stands looks exactly the same age he did 20 years ago. Yeah, he's very well preserved. I reckon he's been to the Tom Brady School of Age Preservation. But, <laughs> uh, that, that, that's my gun on it. What, what I really am liking about the Australian Open so far is that at the time of recording this, there are still multiple unseeded players left. And we're into quarter and semi-final round now in the women's and the singles. Uh, Lynette from Poland, uh, I think she's from, uh, won through earlier today through to a semi-final berth in the women's. And in the men's, you've got Shelton and Paul, two Americans, unseeded, playing each other in the quarters. So one of them gets through to a semi-final unseeded. I love the unseeded journeys that are happening there. There is some stuff that I don't like, but before we get to what I don't like, what else do you like about the Oz Open? Well, I'm going to upset you based on mm. something you said earlier. I like Sitsipas. I just like watching him play. I liked his post-game interview. He seems like a fun guy. I'd have a beer with him. And I think he's a chance of beating Novak. I reckon he's a chance of winning the whole thing. Uh, but uh, there are there are some tennis players I'm a fan of. There are some that I'm not such a fan of. Are you jealous of his ruggish good looks? What, with my ruggish good looks? He's, hey, come on. He's ruggish good. You're just rugged. <laughs> He couldn't grow a beard like mine. What I don't like is that um, they played till 4am. I I don't care who it is. Starting a sports event at 10.30 at night is stupid. Playing it until 4am is absolutely ridiculous. If you're going to play at the Australian Open, I get that. You can play late into the night because you've got the roof, you've got the lights and so on. But please, you know, have a curfew in there at some reasonable time. 1.30am, 2am, you know, don't start a set after 1am. Something like that. Have some sort of a curfew in place. Are you a fan of sport going till 4 in the morning? No, I hate it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's nonsense. I think even 2am, too late. They've got to start the games earlier to begin with. I get... The problem is if you get two really quick games, all of a sudden you've got a big crowd at, at you know, in, in Melbourne going home at 9.30 at night. 
So it's a bit of a balance, but it's ridiculous having a professional sporting event with players still out there at four o'clock in the morning and Andy Murray being denied a second toilet break. That was also stupid. But something else that is equally as stupid, when the rain rolled in earlier this week and they didn't get the roof closed in time, water all over the court. So they get the ball kids who are already there until, funnily enough, sometimes four in the morning. They're not being paid, these ball kids. They're free slave labour. They got them out to dry the court with towels. Surely in this day and age, there is a better way to dry the court than to have ball kids down on their hands and knees wiping towels across the surface. How long does it take to close the roof? About 15 minutes, I think. Surely you could tell that the rain is coming. With weather radars, you can tell that the rain is coming to within the second almost. Yeah, think of how Silly. quickly how quickly ground staff get out there at, at the cricket. Yeah. That they... I still remember a game of cricket at the Gabba in the 1980s where the ground staff started racing onto the ground before the umpires had called play off because they knew the local weather and they knew it was about to get belted down upon. And a few minutes later, it was I think it was Dean Jones racing out with a helmet. Yeah, I remember that. Because the hail started coming down. Yep, you I know, think it was, was it, it might have been 92, 93 against the West Indies. Could have been, could have been. It was a while ago. But this day and age, there is no excuse for not actually anticipating bad weather. Closing roofs if you've got them. But if the, if the water does get in, let's get some professionals in. Let's not make the, the, the ball kids uh, do some extra stuff. You'd never see it in pickleball. Who's going to win, the men's and the women's? Um, I don't care. As long as it's an unseeded player, it doesn't matter. All right. I'm thinking Sitsipas and Azarenka. Well, Chris Coleman, I said at the start of the show that I was going to apologise about something, admit that I was wrong. Oh, good. This is the Tottenham and Fulham bit, is it? No. The Big Bash season mm. is too long. Oh. It's still going. <laughs> <laughs> there's two games. You. There's two games today. There's a game on now. There's a game on later tonight, and then the finals start. Each team plays four games too many. They're playing fourteen <laughs> games each. There should be ten. There's these games on. Most of the teams have a sub five hundred record. Only the Scorchers and the Sixers, out of all eight teams, actually have a winning record. It's probably going to be those teams in the final, although the Brisbane Heat have won a lot in a row. <laughs> but it's just an endless reign of games that just doesn't seem to end, and all the international stars have already left. I'm not too I know big of no a man. One can see this, but I am punching the air with both fists in the victory pose here. I was right, and even more, you have admitted you were wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. Okay. I was wrong. It, Excellent. A few Excellent. years ago, it, it, it actually, I, I enjoyed it, but a few years ago, the star players were still in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They've gone home. Yeah. Um, I'm still not a fan of 2020-style um, of cricket. You went to a game the other night. Uh, Rumour has it there was somebody <laughs> on the big screen who looked suspiciously like you. Uh, it may well have been me. How'd you go? How was the game? Uh, look, I will say this. The game, which was between the Melbourne Red team and the Sydney Green team, was pretty ordinary, pretty average. It, it, it did go down to the second last over, so so that's good. There weren't a lot of huge hits. Uh, Dave Warner was playing for the Sydney Green team and was incredibly popular. Getting him onto the big bash field, masterstroke. Getting Steve Smith, who we're going to come to in a minute, onto the Big Bash field, masterstroke. Getting the Aussie players out there this summer, a really great idea. But uh, look, they've got they've got the game day experience 
absolutely down pat. Absolutely sorted. Um, it, it's, it's ironic, given they've stolen a lot of things from other sports that other sports could now actually learn a lot from the Big Bash League. But like, there's music between almost every delivery. And you know, you've heard me say this at Rugby League games, that there is more music and it is way too loud than you ever need. They don't have it turned up to 11 at the Big Bash games. Or certainly they didn't on Thursday night. They don't have it turned up to 13 like they do at the Australian Rugby Union games or, you know, Infinity Plus One like some other sports. You don't need it that loud. It's just there to add to the experience. They've got that right. Uh, they have a separate ground announcer and MC, which means that the serious stuff and the not-so-serious stuff uh, are separated. Um, and neither of them are shouting until your ears bleed. You know, it, it's really, really well done. They have pl player interviews at appropriate points. So during a drinks break, they grabbed a player for an interview and so on. You, you, you have the game, you have extra stuff that adds to the game, and then you have the, the um, auxiliary stuff as well. They've got it absolutely down pat. Well done to Cricket Australia for putting it on. Uh, my grandkid, uh, I took one of the grandkids and, and one of his friends, they had a ball and they are the target market for it. And well done to, to Cricket Australia for getting it all right. For the record, the green team of the Sydney Thunder and the red team of the Melbourne Renegades and the Sydney Thunder won with nine balls to spare. Uh, Matthew Jilks, 74 not out. Dave Warner made yeah. 26. And it was the best uh, 26 off 23 balls in a T20 match you'll ever see. There's the official review of Dave Warner's innings for you. You know he top scored the other night for the Thunder and he made 16? Yeah, it was that, that, that Thunder side had been up and down. Uh, yeah, they've been a weird season. team. They, they're yeah. probably going to make the finals. I think they have to win tonight. But, um, yeah, speaking of the, uh, the Big Bash League, mm -hmm. Steve Smith, two centuries in four innings. And a 60-odd to go with that. In one of the one of the innings, he was 100-and-something not out. In the other 100, he got run out in some confusion with Moses Enriquez. Steve Smith has hit more sixes as of this morning, has hit more sixes in the tournament than any other batsman, and he's played four games. The other players have played 12, 13, sometimes 14 games. Incredible. Did Missed opportunity by not? Australia at the World Cup. They should have picked say. him. Yeah. Did we or did we not, at the start of the 2020 Cricket World Cup, on this very program, even suggest that they had made a mistake by not choosing Steve Smith for Australia? I think we did. I think we did. Can we move on to the women's cricket? Because I've been catching a bit of that on the TV, Australia and Pakistan, and a, uh, a, a, a whole series of matches. Did you see the dead ball debacle the other day? Yeah, that was out. That yes. was out. I'm sorry, but the ball was halfway down the pitch when she backed out. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I will say this, there was a lot of talk about the spirit of cricket and had that been, say, Australia versus England or Australia versus India in a game that was expected to be much closer, I suspect that the uh, Australians would have been saying, uh, that is out. You can't pull out of it halfway down the pitch and expect it to be called dead ball. In a game like that where Australia was always going to be Pakistan, I think it was a great exhibition of the spirit of cricket to say, OK, she might have been distracted, let's just replay the ball and move on. Well done, girls. I had no context. I just saw that one delivery and went, oh, that's out. Well, it should have been, but, you know, hey, we'll, we'll just say well done, Aussie girls, and move on. The Super Serious Sports Show. Well, Chris Coleman, we all remember what happened with the Manly Sea Eagles towards the tail end of the NRL season with the Pride jersey. Seems that that's become a topic again with the Cairns Taipans in the NBL. What, they, some of the players don't want to wear a, a, a pride top? It's not even the, the, the full jersey. It's I believe it's a badge or a logo on the jersey. And, yeah, there is some talk that some of the players don't want to wear it and, and, and uh, 
I don't think they're going to sit out of the game. They're just not going to wear it on their jersey. But, well, that'll make it easy for the US talent scouts to identify those players and say, right, there's someone that we potentially won't hire down the track. It's interesting, though, because we all remember how Manly's season went after after their their drama around it. The Cairns Taipans are actually having a very, very good season. They're sitting in second or third at the moment. We're very close to playoffs time in the NBL is this something that could derail their season? I don't think it will because I don't think, with the greatest of respect to the Cairns Taipans, I don't think they're going to get anywhere near as much media about it as the Manly Warringah side are going to get. Uh, I, I also think that the NBL have said that they won't take any action against players who elect not to wear the, the top or the patch. So I don't think it's going to be as big an issue within the season. It might upset a player or two in the team, but I don't think it'll derail the season. Bearing in mind, this is the very same NBL season where Isaac Humphreys from Melbourne United uh, publicly came out as as gay. So it's an interesting decision from these these Cairns players. I think it's an ordinary decision, by the way. I don't have, have much time for the players who are making the decision, but I'm not going to sit here and jump up and down and rant and rave because what I say on this show is not going to actually have much impact on them other than somewhere there'll be a media file generated and they'll note that, you know, uh, the, the Super Serious Sports Show was one of the outlets that said it was a bad move. The NBA came out with an announcement today. Mm-hmm. So the NBA All-Star Game is happening... Monday, February 20, Australian time. Uh, The starters will be named soon. The rest of the rosters will be named shortly after. This is the fun bit. Teams will be picked during the broadcast. So in the pregame, the captain for either side, which at the moment looks like will be, I think it's LeBron James and probably going to be Kevin Durant. So it's whoever gets the leading votes among, among fans. They're the captains. Right. They will get to pick the team, pick their players in what I'm imagining will be like a schoolyard pick down on the court prior to the game. Now, you know I'm not the world's biggest basketball watcher, okay? You know I watch it occasionally, mm-hmm. but I don't really pay avid attention to it. I might have to take the 20th of February off work now because I think this is going to be worth watching. I might have to sit down and watch this from start to finish. The last player to be picked is going to be so annoyed. That's what I was going to say is that normally it's a bit of a, uh, it's like the touch football game of, uh, of, of basketball. It's taken more seriously than the Pro Bowl in the NFL. But the last couple of players who get picked are going to be so dirty and when they get on that court, they're not going to be mucking around because they will have been publicly picked last on international TV. And if you freeze it right there, you can see the exact moment his heart breaks when he realised he was going to be the last player picked. Well, I'm looking down at my notes here where mm-hmm. we, we planned what we were going to talk about in each segment. Mm-hmm. This is the good bit. We're not doing soccer. This I'm not talking soccer this week. This no. This is a good bit. No. <laughs> Tottenham won. Fulham nil. Harry Kane, equal leading highest scorer for Tottenham Hotspur in the history of the club now. And it will forever be remembered that he equaled the record against Fulham at Craven Cottage. 
you know, it's good to see a, a small struggling side like Tottenham get a win over, you know, the greatest football powerhouse in the world, Fulham. So you you know what? Well done to the little guys. Harry Kane, lucky goal. Fulham will bounce sure. back. Fulham Fulham got Chelsea next, by the way. Chelsea got a nice easy, easy fixture. Chelsea's yeah, they, tenth. Yeah, they beat Chelsea recently too. Mm. I was like, oh, they need a bounce back game. They need like they need like Bournemouth or Liverpool or you know, oh Chelsea, they'll do. Hey, let's turn to uh, what's coming up in English football, which is the fourth round of the FA Cup. Now, Friday night football is a huge thing here in Australia. Uh, it is not a huge thing in the UK. They don't have a lot of it. Most games are played on Saturdays. There's some on Sundays. They do play other nights of the week. But the FA Cup fourth round is opening, as if I, unless I've got this wrong, with a Friday night blockbuster, Manchester City against Arsenal, 7 o'clock in the morning, Australian Eastern, summertime, Manchester City and Arsenal at, uh, at, at uh, the Etihad Stadium. That is going to be an absolute belter. And the best part of it is that it means that one of those sides doesn't get through to the next round of the FA Cup. It's fabulous. So looking forward to that. Do you know who Fulham have got in the in the FA Cup? They have Sunderland. So that's a banana skin game for them. Spurs are away to Preston North End. That's a real banana skin game. Preston North End. Preston North End. They're a lower division side. So the other thing too about um, Tottenham upsetting Fulham the other day <laughs> was that I predicted for my prediction of the week that Fulham would win. I got my prediction wrong. Therefore, uh-huh. it is your turn to make a prediction. We're both sitting on zero, by the way, and there is no opener, so don't ask for it. Our voiceover person is away in South Australia this week. That's no excuse. Yes, it is. They're away. That's, that's no excuse. I'm away from you, and I'm still doing the show. You're just a passenger today because you okay. didn't want to come into work. A couple of other lower division games in the FA Cup then to look out for. Luton Town against Grimsby Town. And for people who've been watching the Ryan Reynolds show, welcome to Wrexham. They've drawn lower division football uh, opposition again. Wrexham are playing Sheffield United. So uh, there's plenty to watch out for over this weekend in the FA Cup with games from Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and even Tuesday morning when Derby County play West Ham United Australian time. Uh, Let's flick over to the NFL, shall we? Because it's down to the pointy end of that. Is this where you're doing a prediction? I think I might. I think I might throw it in there. Um, I did say earlier I think Cincinnati are going to beat Kansas City, but even though um, Cincinnati are the favourites, there's not much of an upset in there. I still think that San Francisco are very good things to beat Philadelphia, and that's where I'm going to go and nail my colours to the mast this week. I'm going to roll the dice and say San Francisco, the outsiders to beat Philadelphia in the NFL, in the NFC Championship game. Hope not. I'm going for Philly. You got money on Philly, have you? Maybe. I really like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is my favourite player. I think it's a cracking lineup. I think this is an absolutely dream weekend. The, the, the Bengals, for so long, a hard luck story. Kansas City, who are in something like their eighth, seventh or eighth successive AFC championship game. San Francisco were nowhere. They've got Mr. Irrelevant as a quarterback. And then the Philadelphia Eagles with, with, with Hertz and the whole crew there. This is a, an amazing weekend coming up of football. So really looking forward to it. But yeah, the official Super Serious Sports Show prediction for this week is San Francisco to beat Philadelphia. And I apologise in advance to the San Francisco 49ers because, well, so far we're a combined 0 for 2 and the kiss of death hopefully gets lifted this week. Well, the NRL season... The men's season is only about five weeks away. You and I received an invite to the Canberra Raiders season launch in late Feb, but we still don't have a draw for the NRLW. We still don't have squads for the NRLW. Chris Coleman, what is going on? 
what is going on is effectively uh, a very big game of brinksmanship, and there is talk that some the, the NRL players may go out on strike because you might remember before Christmas the NRL came out and said, "Hey, we've got a new salary cap. Everything is sweetness and light. We're good to go for next year." That was not the case. There is a new salary cap that has been determined. A new salary cap for the men's competition. The salary cap for the women's competition, as far as I'm aware, has not officially been resolved. There are also other issues in play here. Post-playing career compensation for players who get injured and so on. There are many, many issues. I'm not going to bog down on it. All I'll say is the NRL is saying one thing. The Players Association is saying the others. As you've mentioned, we're five and a bit weeks out from the start of the regular season and there is talk of players going on strike. This is not a good look for Rugby League, Adam Jansen. No, it's concerning. I um, I think that the NRL does need to do a lot more for retired players who suffered injuries and head knocks throughout their careers. I don't have the answers, but they need to do more. You go and talk to any retired player, say a player who's been retired five years or more, ask them how much physical pain do they still get on a daily basis from their game, and almost every one of them will say, I get some. There will be some for whom it is a lot of pain. And then you hear about players like, well, Mario Fennec was well documented last year. Most likely, dementia coming on because of the number of knocks he got to the head. They need to be doing more down the track. Can I say something else that annoyed me a little bit about this whole thing as well? Now, I know that rugby league journalists are always looking for some sort of an angle where they can get some reaction to it. And um, and there was a story in, in News Limited that uh, the USA Rugby League has said they will be ready and willing to send players to Australia if the NRL players go out on strike. So send replacements out to, uh, to, to take part in NRL team jerseys. Um, a, silly idea. B, it's a complete beat-up. But C, it's given me one of the highlights of my time on Twitter, which is a platform in its dying days on social media. Do you know why, Adam? Do you know why it's given me one of the highlights of my of my days on Twitter? No, why? Because I saw, a couple of days after that article appeared, the Nicaraguan Rugby League actually tweeted, they will not be sending any players to take the spot of NRL or NRLW players in the case of a boycott. I gave it a like. I've given the Nicaraguan Rugby League a follow, and they replied back actually thanking me for following them on Twitter. So that is one of my little favourite bits there. The fact, the fact that I suspect there's maybe 17 Rugby League players in Nicaragua in total is completely irrelevant. They're probably excited that you followed them on Twitter. You're a celebrity on Twitter. You've, you, oh, you, you're verified. You've got a blue tick. <laughs> I've got an old-school blue tick. I'm not one of the people who pays Elon Musk $8 a month. Um, on the subject of things that are blue, the New South Wales... Blues are going to wear a navy blue jersey in one of the games again this year, most likely in Adelaide. What is going on there? Navy blue is not the New South Wales state colour. It's not a bad-looking jersey from a purely stylistic fashion standpoint. It's Mm. just not a New South Wales jersey. It looks more like a Victorian jersey. It is dark blue with light blue trim. The other thing, and I know you can't control it, the sponsor logo, the Westpac red W on it, it just sticks out like the proverbial dog thing on it. It is a, it is the wrong shade of red on that dark blue. It is only perhaps exceeded in the amount it stands out on the jersey by the NIB jersey, uh, sponsor on the Newcastle Knights jersey last year, which was three quarters the size of a planet. <laughs> the NIB Knights. 
Yeah, yeah, it was a shocker. Anyway, having said that, lots of fans will probably go out and buy it. And the last time the New South Wales wore a dark blue jersey against Queensland was in a neutral ground, was at Perth a couple of years ago, and New South Wales won it easy. So maybe they're trying to cash in on superstition. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway, Chris Coleman, I think it's about time to uh, to get out of here for the day. Um, you got any final thoughts on anything you're looking forward to this weekend? Who are the Spurs losing to? They are playing Preston North End in the FA Cup. We've already talked about it. Oh, okay. There you go. You weren't listening, as usual. I'll catch you next week. All right. You better come in to work this time. I'll think about it.